Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, tonight, gentlemen, we reboot our uh, summer slash early fall previews uh, with a look at the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, I hope you guys didn't throw away all of your notes uh, from earlier <laughs> this season because uh, we got a season to talk about. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the view behind the curtain, life with three children means like notes get made in the in the hours leading up to the podcast. So I'm all good. Excellent. Um, so Wisconsin is widely considered the best team in the West. Um, you know, coming off a, a Big Ten West championship last year, um, kind of picking up where we knocked them off the year before. But, uh, you know, it, it's that defense is just something else. I mean, Jim Leonard and his boys, John, what do we got? Yeah, I think, you know, in Scuzz's case, he, he does that Trey Parker, Matt, Matt Stone, South Park prep really late. So he's always fresh. Um, I, I got mine done a little earlier and mine, I'd say my, my Wisconsin D pod has been aging like a fine wine for quite a while now, but uh, let's just put it this way in our big month long layoff between when we stopped doing previews and we picked them up again, Wisconsin, Wisconsin did not stop being awesome on defense. Um, I think, uh, if there's one thing you can probably count on, it's that very little has changed in that regard. It's funny you mentioned Jim Leonard because I would say after the past couple of years, we're having a little bit of a difficulty properly calibrating our Jim Leonard, let's say, love fest. Um, so in 2017, after he put together one of the best defenses you will ever see, we feeded him like a king. And then... When that defense tailed off in 2018, amidst a little bit of injury issues, some perceived depth issues, you know, I'd say I tried to pull it back a little bit. It was like, well, boy, you know, maybe we went a little bit too far. Nope, we're back to full-on idol worship of this guy now. Because last year, he took um, a unit that we expected to be by Wisconsin standards, key thing there, Wisconsin standards, mediocre, um, and made it dominant. It was dominant last year. And he did it through player development. So Wisconsin runs that 3-4. A lot of their bread is obviously buttered with those four linebackers. And there were some hiccups last year in this group as the young guys worked to develop and the older guys played hurt. Um, I mean, should I say in 2018, which led us to make kind of measured predictions about 2019 um, that didn't factor in massive growth by Chris Orr and Zach Bond. And that, of course, is exactly what happened. Those two guys erased any notions of who they were going to be as football players. And last year combined for a ludicrous 33 and a half tackles for loss and 24 sacks last year. And this was the number two total defense in the conference. So Orr and Bond are really the focal points of where to start with this year's Wisconsin defensive preview, not because they're coming back, but because they aren't coming back. Um, any team can see a random player make the leap in a given year. But when you turn over the core of your linebacker unit and they all make leaps, 
which is what happened last year. That's not about the players as much as it's about the overall culture of the defense, which is something that we've known about Wisconsin for a while, and it's certainly something that we know about Leonard now. So heading into 2020, Wisconsin knows it can find solutions for this year's unknowns at linebacker, and Wisconsin knows that it is starting with two very big knowns at that position as well. That would be the two guys who are coming back. Jack Sanborn, who came pretty close, it seemed, to being a Northwestern Wildcat, or at least we were in the running at one point in time, um, and Noah Burks. And last year, those guys combined for 16 TFLs and seven and a half sacks, which another way of just going back to these four linebackers put up absolutely stupid numbers. You're talking about 50 tackles for loss between four guys. Um, But these two guys, 16 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. Um, and keep in mind that both of these players, Sanborn and Burks, look better right now than either Bond or or looked coming into last season. So you can expect an explosion on top of last year's production from Sanborn and Burks, which is really going to sting, like I said, since Sanborn was that Illinois target. Uh, that the Badgers stole away from us because his best years are very much ahead of him. Um, guys like Isaiah Green May and any number of young guys are going to more than fill the remaining spots in that 3-4 probably incredibly well. And helping all of this are the old trench fatties that Wisconsin can always count on to plug things up in front of these guys. Matt Henningsen, Garrett Rand, and Isaiah Loudermilk are all close to 300 pounds, They combined for 12 TFLs and 8 sacks last year, and they're going to form a dominant rotation at end. And in the middle is Keanu Benton, the 320-pound monster Wisconsin replaced uh, Alive Sagapolu with last year because, of course, they had another 320-pound fatty waiting to play defensive tackle in this defense. That's who Wisconsin is. So in the secondary, Wisconsin doesn't have any stars, But Fayon Hicks and Eric Burrell are very solid at corner and safety, respectively. Um, But this, honestly, was not the number four pass defense in the conference because of great coverage. It was because, and I mentioned those ludicrous linebacker numbers earlier, it's because Leonard schemes quarterback pressure so well. So in theory, this unit doesn't have a lot of cornerback depth, and it can be attacked through the air. But first, you have to have enough time to throw the ball. This will likely be the best, or at worst, second best defense we face in 2020. Um, If things break the right way, um, this game obviously is really going to mean something for us. So the key is giving um, whoever our quarterback is, probably Ramsey, time to throw. Um, for what it's worth, our team has always kind of been constructed specifically to play Wisconsin, and hopefully we can have some success on the ground. Through the air, I think the key is going to be Coach Jake scheming these tight ends open. I mean, we've been hearing a lot about these double tight end sets. Um, if there are you know opportunities there, especially for quick passes, stuff that's going to help neutralize what Leonard's going to be trying to do with pressure— It's going to be a lot of that, a lot of getting those tight ends open, finding them, and not making mistakes. Um, The problem is, 
A lot of teams have difficulty covering dynamic tight end pass, uh, packages, but Wisconsin tends to do really well there because they have so many athletic linebackers who can slide into passing lanes and get picks. Um, again, we tend to play this game pretty, you know, this team pretty well offensively, and we tend to have some success on the ground. But as always against Wisconsin, it's about measured expectations. We want to try to move the ball some, put up a few points, and hopefully escape with a low-scoring win. Let's discuss offensively. Um, you know, Wisconsin loses Jonathan Taylor, but it's Wisconsin, so they have to have another like two thousand yard running back just waiting in the wings, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not just Taylor either. They lose a fair amount, and I'm here to tell you that it is not going to matter. So um, we'll start with uh, we'll start with a little bit of history, and that you know I, I want to talk about Wisconsin's offensive line, um, because they do have one of their weaker, less experienced offensive lines um, this year. And if and if there is any weakness that's going to um, befall problems for this team, it's going to be the O line. That that doesn't make any sense to me, because their offensive line is like their linchpin forever. Yeah, let me be clear. I don't think this is actually going to happen. But if anything were to go wrong, this would be it. So um, two years ago, in 2018, Wisconsin came into that season with the essentially most ballyhooed line in all of college football. They they were ridiculously experienced. They were expected to be the best O-line. Uh, by the end of the year, in ev- pretty much every advanced rushing stat category, um, for offensive lines, they were number one or number two in the country. However, they were 115th in sack rate, um, which, you know, in the defense of Wisconsin's offensive line was probably more about the, ca- the catastrophic season that Alex Hornibrook had and, you know, his ultimate injury. Um, perhaps he was asked to play concussed. He gave way to a very young and inexperienced Jack Cohn. And um, the rest is written in Northwestern's uh, West Division Championship trophy. The following year in 2019, they lost four starters. They had one guy coming back at center and just a massive drop off. I think they went from like over 150 career offensive line starts to, to 36. And as expected, their rushing stats for the O line fell back to earth a little bit. They were they were more like in the 15 to 25 range in terms of ranking in in college football however all of their sack rate numbers leapt up into the 30s and that's really a reflection of jack Cohn and how much better he was last year and i'm not just talking about how much better he was compared to himself but he put up like better numbers than hornybrook he went from 60 percent completion to almost 70 he went from 5.5 yards per attempt to over eight and most especially important relative to Hornybrook he threw 18 TDs with only five picks I mean he was really really good last year and a lot of this comes down to both the combination of him being a lot more comfortable and a lot better back there but also the O-line just got a lot better in pass protection and for me this year you know coming off of last season they lost that center uh, to the NFL draft. So they now have no returning multi-year starters. They have um, uh, th- three other guys back from that O-line. And then apparently, Sam, you just uncovered this earlier this afternoon. There's a guy, like a, a former offensive lineman 
John Dietzen, who was part of that very ballyhooed 2018 group at left tackle. He was injured off and on that year, never really played up to his potential, retired from football and now is coming back. Yes, apparently. I mean, that's what uh, Adam Rittenberg's reporting. So interestingly, um, a experienced and presumably really good offensive lineman just fell into Wisconsin's lap to bolster their their O-line. But, you know, relatively, they're not as inexperienced as last year, but with the exception of Dietzen, you know, not having any other multi-year starters, not having a spring camp or a, you know, lead-up to fall camp to build any real – you know, connectivity and chemistry among amongst this group. Like, if there's a weak spot on this team, I, I you know, this this could be it. You know, a couple injuries is all is all you really need to, to scuttle an O line, and that's the sort of thing that could set them back. I don't really expect that to happen because they just have such a track record of of even when they're they're down on O line, they're still really really good. And let's be clear, regardless of what else they've lost, the fact that Jack Cohn comes back and and I believe should be able to match his numbers from last year pretty reasonably. This offense, it's not going to be a world beater. They're not going to be scoring 40 points. It's not LSU. It's not Ohio State. But with the defense you just heard John describe, they don't need it to be. And they just need to find the right guys to step up to fill, you know, two-thirds of the shoes that have departed. So, uh, Sam, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Yes, he's gone. He was, you know, prolific for for Wisconsin. Um pretty much all the time except when he played Northwestern. Uh, replacing him will be some combination of uh, Garrett Groshek, who we have seen before. Groshek is is who stepped into uh, Taylor's role last year in the Northwestern game when, when Taylor went down to injury. Um, he's more of a third down back, kind of like Swiss Army Knife type player. Uh, Nakia Watson is the presumed uh, new starter. He's a sophomore. He ran for some yards last year, not a ton. He had, you know, Roughly 75 carries for uh, a, a bit over 300 yards. Nothing, nothing exceedingly uh, amazing. Waiting in the wings is true freshman Jalen Berger, who I believe is, per some outfits, is the second highest-rated running back recruit ever to come to Northwestern after, or uh, to come to Wisconsin after John Clay. He comes from uh, one of the powerhouse uh, high schools out in New Jersey. This kid will, I mean, like. If if Groshek and 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 Watson are are good enough, we won't see this kid for another year. But if they're having any pr- troubles run, running the ball, Berger's gonna gonna get a shot, and he's gonna be dynamite. I think. Um, worth noting, two of their other top four recruits coming in the season are, are offensive linemen. No surprise. So um, even again, you know, there, there, there's gonna be there's gonna be some depth that they're gonna build. There I just Berger the, of the year. Berger picked Wisconsin over Alabama, LSU. Ohio State and others. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean this dude is this dude is legit. He's only a four star on Rivals for some reason, but um, I mean it, like his offer list is a five star offer list, right? Yeah. Um, wideout is you know wideout's another thing that people are citing as a potential problem for them because Quintez Cephas, who was far and away the most um, effective receiver last year for Wisconsin, is gone. Uh, Jake Ferguson, their tight end, comes back. He's you know, really good, really solid, but he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's no, um, he's no Noah Fant. Like this is, you know, he's, he's good. He's fine, but he's not going to really attack a defense downfield. Uh, Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis are the presumed starters at wideout. And interesting, like Danny Davis barely did anything last year. This is a guy who was a freshman, was phenomenal. 
and there's you know his explosiveness has dropped off the past two years I think I think his um his yards per catch have gone from 10 to 8 to 6 so that you know there's just questions about about what's going to happen there but you got to think that you know with his type of experience he was a highly rated recruit who knows what he's been dealing with but I like Wisconsin doesn't need their wideouts to be the centerpiece of their offense right they're going to run 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 they're going to play action and look for these guys to be open and I don't see any any reason why they can't do that in a decent enough fashion this year so this is where I kind of come back to my initial thesis like they've got holes at wideout they're replacing a a one of their best you know running back talents that they've ever had they've got a potentially young o-line but with Jack Cohn and that defense I don't think any of that matters they're going to be just fine and rightly should probably be the odds on favorite for the west so we can actually uh we have a schedule to run through yeah, let's talk Ooh, about uh, let's talk about Wisconsin's non-con. Let's go through it. <laughs> Great, and that, we're done. That, 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 that was a solid non-con right there. Um, Gouda, Cheddar, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Thuringen brats, Sheboygan brats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miller Light, Miller High Life. Yep. They've got they've got a uh, a neutral site game against the Mars Cheese Castle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So they open up on October 24th um, at home against Illinois. Then they travel to Nebraska, home for Purdue, at Michigan, at Northwestern, home for Minnesota and Indiana before they finish up the season uh, December 12th at Iowa. And then the Big Ten Champions Week, which we will see what happens with that. So cross uh, cross conference games of Michigan and Indiana, not the worst, not the best. Um you know, the game against Michigan at a very empty big house. That'll be interesting. I So, uh, for me, I think we can go through some of the specifics in this. I think what Scuzz said is totally true. Um, I would say, and this is a little bit of a departure, and, and again, this is a game time thing. We don't 100% know one way or another. But if Michael Parsons is not playing in the Big Ten this year, Wisconsin is easily the second best team in the conference. Um, and I think you can kind of look at this schedule and step back and step out of our, you know, our Northwestern fan shoes for a second and be like, part of the reason the, you know, the big 10 as a whole wants this coming back is that there's a really good chance that, um, whatever it is, December 19th, Ohio state and Wisconsin are playing a championship game where the winner is a hundred percent going to the playoff. And, that's the position the Big Ten is really hoping to put themselves in. And Wisconsin is absolutely that team. I mean, Scuzz laid it out for you, but I mean, this is a team that you're kind of squinting pretty hard to find weaknesses. And in the West, we've previewed everyone except Minnesota at this point, and, you know, we'll get to Minnesota, but everyone we've talked about has weaknesses up until this point, and that certainly includes us. And Wisconsin's are just so much, on, on either side of the ball, so much more minor in comparison. They don't have any major opt-outs. Um, they have a major opt-in that we you know talked about with Dietzen coming back. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there are certainly specifics that are you know potential causes for worry on their schedule. But overall, I think they're, they're the better team in every game on their schedule. So we, we get them after their Michigan game. Uh, anything to, I mean... That's not really a, a bludgeon body blow style game for Wisconsin in that one. 
Yeah. Well, I think, you know, if, if you're going to not pick nits, but point out, I mean, I Wisconsin's most difficult games are all on the road, right? So there's that. Now, what that means, you know, it's not hostile crowds this year. It is travel. But at Michigan, at Northwestern, and at Iowa, I think, are their, their toughest games. And I think the other thing that those three teams share in common is that they're going to try, and this includes us, to drag Wisconsin down into the mud, keep it low scoring, and try to win, you know, something 21-14 or in that variety. So I think, you know, if there's a recipe for beating Wisconsin, that's it. Um, you've got a, you know, a crazy game like a Purdue, but again, Purdue, you know, at, as, as of this point, we don't know if Rondo Moore is coming back, you know, it's kind of up in the air. Um, but, but again, Purdue's got to come to Camp Randall and yeah, that means something less than normal, but you know, it's just, Scuzz has described how dangerous this team can be on offense with Cone and some of these young running backs. And this team starts with Illinois, Nebraska, and Purdue. I mean, just the defensive poo-poo platter to start the season to get this train rolling before they go to Michigan. So, I mean, it sure seems like it's laid out for them. I mean, I like to me the only thing that's, I guess when I guess because they have Michigan on there, all they need to do is slip up once and then lose that very reasonable game to Michigan, and that puts a team like Northwestern who doesn't play any of the big three from the East a team like Iowa who's got a game against Penn State but misses both Michigan and Ohio State. Um, Minnesota has Michigan. Purdue doesn't play any of those hard teams. Like, like that, the Wolverines, as flawed as they might be, being on Wisconsin's schedule is an interesting – it opens the door for, for something weird to happen where this team could – you know, all but sweep the division and still miss out on the, on the big 10 championship. Yeah. You you kind of like trying to talk yourself into some scenario, right? Where some team that loses to Wisconsin backdoors their way in somehow. Yeah. Um, Right. And that, that is the thing, right? I think there's a really good chance Wisconsin's going to own the tiebreaker over just about all those teams. But right. If they take that Michigan L and some other, Weird one, yeah. I it is. I mean, it, it's and and it's, let, let's be honest. The possibility of weirdness this season is through the yeah, roof. Yeah. Fair, yeah, fair. Well, and well, and what team in the West? So so, like, not to not to blow up future conversations, but like Tanner Morgan is and Cone are arguably the two best returning QBs in the West that are returning to the teams they've been on. Like Peyton Ramsey is certainly in league with them in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. But when you look at, at Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, like there's a clear demarcation between the quality of those defenses and everyone else on that side. And so like you can see some low scoring games and something going goofy, right? Like this could come down to a couple of picks like like Northwestern Wisconsin's games have come down to in the past. So like as yeah. as much as I believe that they are maybe not head and shoulders, but at least heads above the rest of the West, um, this is not a. This doesn't feel like a foregone conclusion, like in some years past. Plus, you know, all, all the games being end of October, November, and the beginning of December, weather is going to be a factor. Well, weather, in, weather, in and um, 
you know, the University of Houston has had four games scheduled the last four weeks and hasn't played one of them because their opponent right. keeps coming down with the COVID. So, like, there's right. like that's a factor. There's no way the like every Big Ten team is going to play eight games in a row, right? I, I just, like at some point something's going to get tweaked, and if all of a sudden that's you know a Michigan Wisconsin game, and now they're playing. Michigan, Iowa, back to back the first two weeks of December, like something weird could certainly happen that, that could be, you know, that like, like some team will suffer some, some sort of misfortune, um, in, in the, in the way those sorts of things shake out. True. I think, you know, the, the, not the flip side, but in that scenario, right there, if we say that there are odds that let's say they get through the first three weeks relatively unscathed, which I don't know, who knows how this is going to shake out, but like, the the potential for three bloodbaths that Wisconsin administers in these first three weeks of the season is high. We've talked about Purdue's offense, but Wisconsin's defense is the one defense that if you're going to be like, I got to pick one against that Purdue offense, this is the one. Um, because they just attack, attack, attack. And you're saying, yeah, Purdue gets the ball out so quick. Wisconsin's linebackers had 50 tackles for loss last year. That's the starting four linebackers. Like these guys attack. Okay. And they get in there quick. They do damage like, and whatever Wisconsin rolls out, like whoever Wisconsin's fifth string running back is, can put up two bills on Purdue's defense. So like, and plus last year, uh, they ran the ball 55 times for four bills. On Purdue's yeah, right. defense, yeah. so <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's like, and plus, lest we forget the result from Illinois for last year, like it's time to pay the piper for Illinois. That game, <laughs> eighty to nothing, is not out of the realm of possibility in that one. Um, and uh, so, I mean, it's Wisconsin is going to probably administer three absolute hurtings their first three weeks of the season that have people really being like, oh my gosh, this is a total monster. And and then things get a lot tougher for them. I and mean, we don't want to sleep on Indiana, a team that we've described as like a very solid 8-9 win football team in the old schedule. So um, it the difficulty definitely ramps up for them. But um, don't kid yourself. Like they are the best team in every one of these games. And it's going to take some luck and things really going the right way um, because Wisconsin's just darn good. Well, uh, let's go ahead and leave the Badgers there for now. Obviously, we'll revisit them uh, as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. Um, less than a month away here, boys. Uh, can't wait. Thir- 30 days today, I believe. Yeah, as, as we record this on the 23rd, um, one month from tomorrow. Ah, it's going to be awesome. Um, but we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates, And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the Westlaw of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbar, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 